We both have the important thing we need to remember. And you freaks just heard it. What is up, freaks? We have the port. The important thing we need to remember. <laughs> it's your boy Marty Bent here for another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap with our boy Maddie Bent. Maddie Bent. I can't Maddie Bent over here, guys. <laughs> Maddie Bent. <laughs> I adopted Matt. Uh, changed his name to Maddie, and we're here, son. We're here to talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> the current uh, the current price of Bitcoin is eight thousand six hundred eight. Look, I can't speak. Eight thousand sixty four dollars and fifty one cents, according to the TFTC.io ticker. Uh, current block height is five thousand nine hundred. Uh, 99,811, and that is the fact we were looking for. We wanted to be certain that block 600,000, which is 189 blocks away, will mean that 18 million Bitcoin have been mined, and only 3 million are left to mine ever in the existence of this world. Only 3 million left to be mined. Um, yeah, so it's pretty. It's uh, we talk about how startling. And aggressive, the the supply uh, schedule of Bitcoin is that Satoshi set in place via the Genesis block in the source code. Um, but sometimes it slaps you in the face, like seeing this, like, holy shit, there's only 3 million left within the next few days, I think. And that's that's probably less than the amount that are lost. I mean, there's no way to know for sure. Um Yes. But uh, we probably lost more, maybe like 4 million, something like that. Exactly. Those of you freaks out there who do not know, there's estimated to be between 4 and 6 million Bitcoin that may never be touched, including Satoshi's stash, Satoshi's stash, um, uh, those that have been burnt, uh, early users just disregarding their their old laptops and, and losing them into the abyss. Do you think there will be uh, junkyard treasure hunts in the future? Yeah, I mean, isn't there, who's that, there's a B-casher, he's located somewhere in Europe, who, like, he bought the garbage dump. Just you know ju- about this? No, no, I didn't hear this. He's been digging since, like, 2013 or something, 2014, and he hasn't found it yet. There's, like, a disposed hard, uh, hard drive in there somewhere, with a wallet.dat file, like the old school from Core. How does he know? Uh, he just he knows he threw it out. He tracked down where the dump was. He like tried to get it excavated, like the city wouldn't let him or whatever, and he just fought a bunch of legal battles. I think. Right. And then I think I'm like 99 percent sure the dude bought the the landfill to get in there. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's going to be like any major treasure hunts unless someone wants there to be, you know, something like Satoshi's treasure or something where some rich guy, or like Ready Player One, some rich guy dies and his will just like starts a puzzle. Who's going to do it? be pretty fun. would be pretty fun. If you don't want to go on crazy treasure hunts to find your Bitcoin, you can always use the Cash App. Uh, this episode of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by the Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. Their favorite uh, app to stack sats. Here in the States, if you want to go through the KYC route, uh, you can do more than stack sats. You can send sats off the app to your personal wallet, from a personal wallet to the app. And uh, I believe they're teasing. I don't, I, I don't know this for sure, but it looked like today on Twitter... Um, they're teasing something, some new new features coming out beyond Bitcoin and the Boost program. Uh, but right now, they do have Bitcoin buying and selling capabilities and the Boost program to get you a personalized debit card anywhere. Visa's accepted. You can go use that. And they have merchant partners in their Boost program. You put your Boost on, you go to the merchant, you shop, you save money. Maybe use that save money to stack sats. Speaking of stacking sats, use the code stacking sats. You're going to get $5 when you download the app. And $5 is going to go to our friends, Al's Lacrosse in Chicago. Go to your local app store today. This episode is also brought to you by Unchained Capital. We talk a lot about multi-sig security, and Unchained offers multi-sig bolts for both individuals and businesses. 
Unchained's collaborative custody model is a great way to improve security, create redundancy, and reduce risk of single points of failure while also retaining control and sovereignty. Uh, we have Unchained on the list today. We've got to talk about their Slip 39. That's one of the open source contributions they've been contributing to. Uh, but on top of that, Unchained also offers an integrated lending platform with its multi-sig vaults. If you need liquidity but don't want to sell your Bitcoin, uh, friends don't let their friends sell Bitcoin. They offer easy access to loans using Bitcoin as collateral. Collateral is always stored on chain in dedicated multi-sig addresses with the option for you to hold a key. And your Bitcoin is never rehypothecated. Again, it's never rehypothecated. Caitlin Long can sleep well knowing that Unchained is not going to rehypothecate our Bitcoin. Again, they're working on dope open source projects. One we'll talk about later in Slip 39. They announced some stuff about that today. Another one is Smart Custody, uh, another project they're working on. Smart Custody, another one is Hermit, and the last is Caravan. Check them out at unchained-capital.com. That's unchained-capital.com. Last read of the day. Uh, we got our friends at Casa. Uh, how confident are you freaks in your key security? What keeps you up at night? Our friends at Casa have drummed up one of the smartest, most secure ways to hodl your Bitcoin. Uh, they don't do KYC. There's no altcoins, no percentage of fees on your Bitcoin, no one standing between you and your keys. Uh, get peace of mind with your stash with one of the world's most secure multi-sigs. Use the promo code TFTC to get up to $250 off your Casa membership uh, by going to keys.casa slash keymaster code TFTC up to $250 off or if you're not ready to go to their website yet and you just want to email them hit them up at membership at team.casa for a free demo and put them to the test with your hardest offset questions so go check them out they got membership packages uh, depending on uh, how much money you want to store how much and in, how involved you want them to get and they have 24-7 VIP service for higher uh, tiers and full dedicated client advisors and stuff like that so go check them out uh, keys.casa use the code TFTC up to $250 off and we should probably start with Casa uh, they were in the Twitter uh, verse this week uh, uh, JW Weatherman pointed out the fact uh, that and Ray Redacted and Ray Redacted pointed out um, uh, vulnerability that has been disclosed before and is public and is uh, not uh, uh, specific to Casa and is a, but is a uh, a risk that exists for People running lightning nodes. Matt, you are more abreast of the situation than I am right now. Um, I mean, the only two hardware nodes we really covered um, on this podcast is Casa's node and the Noddle. And it, I mean, it is specific to Casa. So uh, the first, there was two issues. One issue was uh, a hard-coded username password. Um, with Casa, they don't allow you to use that there's no there's no SSH access to the Casa node, so you can't actually go through your computer through the network and 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 access the Casa node that way. Um, you would need to to use that hard coded username password. You need physical access to the device. Uh, you basically plug in a keyboard and a monitor. You'd get a command line interface, and then you could put in the hard coded password. Uh, as it stands, if someone has physical access to your Casa node, um, they're going to get all your money. They know what they're doing. They're just going to get all your money. It doesn't really matter if, if that password is hard-coded or not. Um, the second issue uh, is that they don't use uh, HTTPS, um, you know, the little lock you see on the, on the browser. They don't use that when you're connecting to the Casa node UI, which isn't great. 
Um, that means if someone's sniffing your internet traffic, if they're, if they're on your network, they can see whatever goes back and forth between you and that site. And Casa also lets you, that's how you back up your seed for the Casa node. Now there's a couple things here. Um, Casa chose to go this route and they've disclosed this process in the past because they want to make the Casa node a, like a user-friendly device. Um, and running like hardware nodes is just not a user-friendly situation. Like, I don't know if anyone's like ever, any average users needed to like deal with their router or something like that it causes all sorts of issues for the person. Um, and specifically with, um, with HTTPS, because you don't have a certificate authority. So like when you go to like an HTTPS site, it verifies with this authority that has this certificate assigned, says it's an official certificate. Because you're not connected to the internet, you can't do that. So it shows up a big warning if you try and connect through HTTPS, it scares the user, and you have to click through it. And at times, I've had the issue, so my, the Noddle, our Noddle uses HTTPS. Um, and at times you have to reset uh, the certi certificate, right? And when you have to reset it, you have to like go into the command line through SSH to reset it. Uh, otherwise, you can't connect through Zap or anything like that. Uh, so there, there are issues there from like a user-friendly point of view. Uh, I'm not sure if I agree necessarily with the decisions that that design decision that they chose to make, but they, it is because they want to make the node a user-friendly thing. And it's important to realize here that it is separate from their the keymaster, the their multi-sig service. Um, and it's lightning nodes are a hot wallets by design, right? So they're always connected to the internet. You don't want to keep that much money on it to begin with. Um, yeah, regardless if you're using a not, or excuse me, a CASA node or not, uh, anybody was susceptible to that bug that could have drained every, every channel. Yeah, I mean, if someone is in your network... And that's just a highlight of Lightning's nascency. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, ideally you want to have like some kind of like hardware wallet or something with like signing rules that is like choosing when to open channels and when not to and have a spending limit so you can only lose a certain amount. But like right now as it stands, if like someone's in your router, like in your network, they've gotten into your network, you're probably going to be fucked regardless, which isn't really great to say, but that's probably the case. Like if you're running, if you're running nodes, like just in general, I mean, you should be trying to lock down your home network as much as possible, like learn how your router works, get a good router, um, ideally an open source router. Uh, but then on the other side, you know, just to show how you, so the Noddle, Noddle, the Noddle guys ran into the same issue. How did they handle it? They chose to go with HTTPS. Um, sometimes you have, they tell you right away in the beginning, so, so Noddle actually has SSH enabled, so you can SSH into your device, but they tell you to change the, change the password in, when in, in the setup process. So like just right in the beginning of the setup process, they're like bringing you into the command line, right? Which is like not as user-friendly. Um, the Noddle guys, like Michael has chosen, uh, he won't even give you your seed backup. In the beginning, you just couldn't even get your seed backup. He just said, you know, it, with Lightning, the seed backup doesn't actually back up your channels. So it would only back up whatever you don't have on Lightning. And most people 
with these nodes are going to put the majority of their funds on Lightning anyway. So he was like, I'm not even going to take the security risk. You can't even, um, you can't even get the seed. Uh, so, but then since then, what he's done is, since he added static channel backups, you plug in a USB drive into the back of the device uh, and you upload your public PGP key and it encrypts the seed and the static channel backup with your PGP key and then saves it to the USB drive. Like that's not a very user-friendly process. I mean, it's not as hard as it might sound, so don't get scared about it. Like I think everyone should get a noddle. I've been very outspoken about that, but it's it's definitely not for mom and pop, you know? It's not for this like mainstream user that Casa's trying to onboard with their node. Um, and then the last thing, I mean, with the with the new noddle that's coming out, the noddle samurai, I mean, there was a lot of questions people had about like, why is it so much more expensive than the Casa node, right? Like the Casa node's at 400 um, and it comes with the multi-sig, the two of three multi-sig, um, and the noddle's at 840 and doesn't come with multi-sig. And it's because of design decisions like this, right? Like they think, they like take it to a whole nother level to like this power user level um, where on like that trade-off level of between UX and security, they go way more to the security side, to the performance side. Stuff like the redundant, um, the redundant SSDs, so it's automatically backed up. And uh, one, of the t one of the elements that really went uh, unnoticed by a lot of people is that with the, uh, the nodal samurai, I always want to call it the nodal, the nodal dojo. I think that's what they should call it instead. But they call it the nodal samurai. In the nodal samurai, both drives are encrypted as well. So like one of the issues here is like we were talking about earlier, if someone has physical access to your device, they can use, you know, on the Casa, they could use that hard-coded uh, username password to, to access it through command line. I mean, they could just take out the hard drive. The hard drive has everything there. It's unencrypted. Um, so like on the Nautil Samurai, it's going to be encrypted and Michael has some more surprises that he's, he's thought of to try and handle these type of issues, um, that he's going to, he's going to release. I think he's going to announce them this weekend at LN conference in Berlin. So, um, stay tuned for those. Uh, some of them are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. And again, I remember experimenting with the lightning network and as people say it's reckless for a reason don't put on any more money than you're willing to lose uh and yeah just be aware that this technology is in its nation stages stuff like this i mean to expect everything to be fully fleshed out by this point 18 months in uh i think it's a little asinine but it is getting better actually you were talking about signing off uh, uh via device like offline Justin Moon has actually shown me some cool stuff with that last night. He's working really, on that. Really excited for that. I'm also excited for Junction. Justin's. Uh, I'm just excited to listen to that episode. Yeah, the, uh, it's crazy. You're gonna learn a lot about derivation paths. I learned a lot about derivation paths last night and how they're created and how to read them. But there's one more thing I, I forgot to mention. Um, if you connect to your Costa node using Tor, you don't have that issue. You don't have that data leak. So you know maybe that'll be an option going forward. Uh, I know. With the Noddle, they've just pushed like everything behind Tor. All they just released an update, and just everything's going behind Tor. You can get the the GUI and everything, like the interface, all through Tor. Um, and right now with Casa, you can get the web interface through Tor. So if you go through Tor, you don't have that issue where if someone's sitting on your network. The question is, are they going to do anything that will like? They, what they should do is like disable the seed, disable some of the more sensitive items on the beginning setup until you get that tour address and then 
somehow disable or just like make you go through tour going forward i think would probably be the ideal something like that but we'll see we'll see they i they they're aware of it they're trying to um you know make the right trade-off decisions there so we'll see what they do yeah i think uh that makes sense actually the solution seems to make sense we saw fit yeah tour fixes a lot of issues in terms of like opening ports and certificate authorities and stuff like that yeah um i thought we were gonna go to a, another negative topic not a negative topic just a not an upbeat topic the child porn thing but we'll get to that later real vision i sat down with safety and for real vision yeah, this is a very positive topic marty yes yeah, this is a very positive topic yeah the porn topic was at the top of my my uh, my vision for a second I, there i think it's important to stack security disclosures and celebrations in the front of every episode yes i agree i agree um, so I did, uh, some of you freaks may know, I sat down with Saifedean, uh, for Real Vision. We, if you've been listening to Rabbit Hole Recap, we pumped it last week as well, but it aired today. So if you're a Real Vision subscriber, uh, you can go watch it now. And if you are not a Real Vision subscriber, I believe it will be on YouTube in about a month. So it is not going to be behind the paywall forever. It was a great conversation. Uh, I think it's a really good, uh, synopsis of the gold standard, how the Bitcoin, how a Bitcoin standard uh, would compare to a gold standard and what we may choose in the future. It only costs $1 for three months. Just subscribe. Real Vision's dope. Marty and Safer are fucking awesome. It was, it was great, great seeing them both up there. Yeah. And, uh, and check out what else Real Vision has to offer. And then if you don't like it, cancel. It's true what they say, Matt. The camera adds 10 pounds. I don't, you're full of shit. You looked great up there. I was, I was very proud. I, uh, I thought you looked great. I hope I don't look like that all the time. Well, fat face. Fat face. My fat face came out. I was. Uh, I dug the vans you wore. That was a. Uh, that was a couple days after the American Hoddle episode. I was still hungover. I think the two day hangover was creeping into that. Uh, that interview was safe. I may be sweating at some points. If you freaks don't notice, uh, it was a fun experience. Though. I want to shout out uh, Ral Paul for, for inviting me to do that. I pitched that to him. He was like very receptive to it, and he, I, it all happened over email. He was like, yeah, just show up, interview him. And we'll post it if it's good. And luckily, it was good enough. So um, it's on there. You can check it out at realvision.com. And yeah, I think they have like a $1 three month subscription thing going on this week. Um, I mean, it was more than good enough. Raul even like tweeted out. He was like, this was, I was one of my favorite interviews. Yeah, it was a good one. I mean, Safe put the team on his back. I think I spoke for a collective uh, three minutes of the 65 minutes that we sat down, but more than like, that's my job as an interviewer is just to guide the conversation, you know, push him, push him to where uh, the information needs to be eked out. And that was podcasting interview lessons with Uncle Marty. Um, we teased it in the, the Unchained ad read, but uh, they announced today in collaboration with Satoshi Labs, which is the company that br- brings you freaks the treasure. Um, that they are open sourcing standards for uh, SLIP39, which is for individuals or groups, and it's a different way to store a private key instead of on a uh, 12-word, 12 to 24-word seed phrase or some other uh, way that you, you hold it in one little uh, condensed area that you can do a Shamir secret share and basically shard um, the, the, uh, the private key into many pieces. And into a bunch of seeds. Yes, into a bunch of seeds. Um, yeah, I mean, Trezor already open-sourced it. What got open-sourced here was uh, Unchained's Hermit wallet. Mm-hmm. They added it into that, right? So Unchained has a multi-sig, um, a multi-sig open-source command-line wallet called Hermit, uh, and they added Slip39 support. 
So a lot of people, especially shit corners, will say, you know, Shamir's is better than multisig. Um, and then there's a lot of people who will say multisig is better than Shamir's. And multisig has a lot of benefits over Shamir's. Um, the beauty of, of Shamir's is why shit corners really like it is because uh, you can do it across all assets. Like they don't have to have native multisig. Um, and you could do it all at once. So like, I, I mean, most of our listeners know all the issues Ethereum had with their multi-sig implementations. They just have like hundreds of millions of dollars locked up forever because they fucked them up. Um, Shamir's kind of obviates that. But anyway, for this, this happens to be a Bitcoin only thing. The reason they're using Shamir's is because you can use it in combination with multi-sig. That's what a lot of people miss in these debates. Um, is you take one of the multi-sig keys and then you shard that, right? And the cool thing about Shamir's and ex- specifically this implementation of, of Shamir's uh, Slip39 is you can create a hierarchy, right? So you can actually create groups of shards. So you could have one key split amongst 20 different people of different varying levels. Like the level two people need like six of them to come together. And then they they just create like a another piece of the shard there. And then, so you can have thresholds within thresholds. So like pretty fucking crazy uh, implement. You can imagine like some insane fucking implementations where like one group of people needs like three of five while another group needs like seven of 15 or something like you could have. What are the best use cases for this? Like governance? Uh, treasury type thing it's like within a business or you think this is like business government any kind of large scale uh like official holdings right yeah um regulated holdings any kind of i mean it kind of you know when you become your own bank um like you these are like the kind of things you need to rely on basically as your insurance because no one will insure self-custody right no. So yeah. so it's I don't know. This, I think this was one of those announcements where like I read it and my mind just like immediately started racing to all these crazy fucking scenarios. Um, and it actually would probably be going back to our earlier conversation. Probably be really useful for a treasure hunt. Yeah, right. Maybe someone used it for that. I know that's what Meltzer did with Satoshi's treasure. He like created like his own like Shamir's thing, but it's not hierarchical. His is, isn't. You know, you can't. There's not different levels of users. That's what's really cool, I think, about this particular implementation. And Unchained appears to be... I think they are using it for their um, their, cold, their cold storage setup, like their side. Um, but I'm not, I'm not positive. I think part of the announcement is that they are, they are using Hermit and the Shamir's uh, implementation. That's good to see. Putting their, uh, putting their money where their mouth is. So Herman is just one example of Slip39. It's a technical solution for businesses and groups looking to leverage hierarchical shares to protect a key on Unchained's, uh, on their vault platform. Hermit will be used in conjunction with Trezor devices for multi-seek quorum and increases security for users, Bitcoins, and allows a collaborative team to protect private keys. So yeah, their vault, their vault program will uh, be implementing this if you guys want to use that in your vaults. Yeah, I mean, one of the issues is that with Shamir's, when, when you're restoring... The, the device you're restoring it on has everything that's needed for that whatever that single SIG is. Uh, so what's cool about Treasure natively adding the Slip39 is you can use it with a Treasure device. And like you go with the Treasure device, you go to one shard, you enter the seed words to that shard, and then you can unplug the Treasure, go to the next device, add the next ones, and keep going. So it's 
or at least it's all on that one device um, that you have like a relatively reasonable expectation that isn't compromised. Um, and then a- even after that, it's part of a multi-sig quorum to begin with. So even if that device is compromised, you take away a lot of the negatives. By combining the two, you take away a lot of the negatives of Shamir's. Yeah, it's crazy how intricate you can get with these uh, these security setups. And all with code. All with code. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, all with, yeah, exactly. It's just text. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, no, and it was, again, like, my mind's just running. Like, Justin th- ran me through some shit last night, and uh, it's crazy how intricate you can get. I mean, that's why, like, Shamir's was the first, when I created Final Message, Shamir's was the first inspiration for it. You'd put, like, a Shamir shard in. I mean, I think it works even, it works better with the multi-sig key. Um, but... You can imagine like mixing Final Message and with this kind of shit too. It gets really exciting. <laughs> You're talking to uh, to your dev, yo. Let's look at this shit, bro. I mean, look, we just set it up so it's just a text box. So like, they any people can do like crazy fucking shit, and they just incorporate it in. You know? Yeah. I changed my mind on this topic. This is good news. This is the government at work doing good things. Oh, it's definitely good news. Yeah, the government took down a child porn website. The biggest child porn website that's ever existed, supposedly. Yes, so this is good news. Um, it's being used as Bitcoin FUD because uh, these idiot pedos were using Bitcoin, sending it straight from exchanges to the site, and uh, other linked UTXOs were making it to the site as well, and they were pretty easily identifiable they to got the authorities. Tracked. Yeah, they got tracked and eventually caught, thank God. And I guess the authorities are saying they were using the dark web and they couldn't get that. They were using Tor. Dark web's kind of like a... PR term. They're using Tor as a private onion site and but they were they were paying in Bitcoin and they said they tracked the guy using Bitcoin um and that's how they were able to catch him. So Bitcoin was actually used as the de anonymizing force. Um two things to note here is the amount of Bitcoin transferred in was not a large amount. It was three hundred and twenty five thousand, I think, over three years. Um Bitcoin does on average $2 billion worth of transactions per day. So it's a small, small, tiny, like, let's not, you know, pretend that this bust means like all Bitcoiners are criminals. Um, that kind of case would lack merit. And the number two thing is, if you want to make draw, like, most people that were sending money to this this site were sending it straight from exchange, and some of them were KYC exchanges. So, like, that is, like, trivially easy to track. Like, Bitcoin privacy could be a lot better um, we've said that many times here here at TFTC, but uh, these guys were sending from directly from exchange. Even like people, even like the most basic thing of like sending in not between a, wallets. Not only, not only are they fucking monsters, but they're fucking so dumb too. Like, well, you can see some of them sent through mixers, and I'm assuming those guys are the ones that didn't get caught. But um, yeah, most of them sent from exchanges, and a lot of them are KYC. May these idiots. These assholes, these evil people burn in hell. Um, but yeah, so that happens. I mean, Joe Weisenthal uh, did a good job at triggering uh, Bitcoin Twitter using this story. Uh, basically, And he makes a good point, right? Like Bitcoin, I don't think, is sufficient in its current form when it comes to uh, privacy and fungibility. We, again, we've talked about this a lot. Others would disagree. Others think that uh, Bitcoin could survive in perpetuity with the privacy assurances that it has today. I'm not so sure. I mean, uh, Bitcoin can be used privately today. It's just really fucking difficult. And all it takes is, there's so much nuance, all it takes is a couple of mistakes. Um, we've made massive strides. We've had Lightning, uh, which is a huge privacy bonus on itself. 
Um, and then both Samurai Whirlpool and and Wasabi Wallet like barely barely existed. They're both very young, right? What are they like, like a year old Wasabi or two years for Wasabi? Um, Whirlpool's been out for less than a year, I think. I don't know. I always overestimate the amount of time. I think they both are pretty new projects. Their liquidity is still growing. You know, one of the big things with with relying on coin joins is that we need more people to mix. Um, the more people that mix, the the more effective the coin join is. Um, specifically on Whirlpool, we need we need more liquidity. So go to go to what is it? Samurai.com, SamuraiWallet.com, SamuraiWallet.com, I believe. Yeah. Um, um, I'll, I'll look it up right now, but uh, so like, bring th- some liquidity to uh, Whirlpool. Yeah, and those are solutions that exist. Yes, yeah, SamuraiWallet.com. Um, those are solutions that exist right now, and I wrote about it yesterday in the Bent, uh, and it wasn't even anything that was uh, actually it wasn't yesterday. It was two days or no, it was yesterday. Um, when did today's piece show up? But uh, there was a good piece on Schnorr and Taproot that the Bitmex research team wrote up in May, um, but that resurfaced. Uh, on my tweet deck a couple days ago read through that if you guys want like a good explainer on Schnorr Taproot um, and how they can increase uh, privacy scalability and uh, capability basically the ability to do more uh, robust uh, scripting stuff with Bitcoin definitely check that out and Peter Willa actually this week um, or it was last week October 9th he emailed the Bitcoin mailing list with some updates to the Taproot proposal. So if you are a developer uh, who's interested in Taproot, Peter has made some changes to to Taproot in particular. Um, so we'll link to that as well. That was in Bitcoin Optech this week. Bitcoin Optech was very good this week. Um, a lot subscribe. Of good, definitely subscribe. Um, but Peter Will, I saw on Twitter that he uh, he's not... That's uh, funny, like seeing the dev. The devs are the people closest to the technology are the most, not, I don't want to say bearish, but uh, skeptical of Bitcoin's potential long-term success um i mean he retweeted a a response to you that bitcoin isn't private enough yes yes he did uh because you said bitcoin is can be used privately today but it's difficult and we need to improve it uh and education you said education is important yeah um yeah i mean i think anyone who cares about privacy doesn't think bitcoin's privacy is good enough yet Especially, you know, a lot of it comes down to the tools that we use around it, right? And they're developing um, way fast, like pretty fast right now. Like stuff like KY, we talked about last week, KYCP.org, where you can check your transactions. OXT.me that powers it, which is a different blockchain explorer. Blockstream.info. And all these things are brand new. All these tools, Wasabi Wallet, Samurai Whirlpool. Well, and more importantly, I think the hardware wallets that let you sign offline um, broadcast broadcast later and do everything on device are huge right for leaking leaking privacy yeah i mean just in general or not leaking privacy in general our hardware wallets have been designed in the past to use their like their their own wallet software that was running through their servers you know this is one of the things we've talked about like one of the the biggest incentives i think for people to run bitcoin full nodes going forward is going to be better privacy um so if every if most if most main like the if the average user is using a hardware wallet to store their Bitcoin, um, you you should use a full node to receive, you know, and and you need to use a full node to receive if you want to use it as privately as possible. So the question becomes, how do you use your hardware wallet with your full node? And that was 
never an easy process. It's never, you have to use Electrum, you have to use, you know, Electromax with Electrum or Electrum Personal Server or Electris or something. Um, and it's a complicated process for the average user. It's recently gotten easier because of Wasabi's hardware wallet integration. Um, but, and it will only get easier going forward now that we have Bitcoin Core with HWI. Um, and I'm sure you guys talked about it in your pod with Justin uh, last night a lot, is that like we'll have a software like Junction, we'll have software like Spectre and stuff that'll basically, you install that software, you have a full node running, you connect your hardware wallet, your hardware wallet receives through your full node. Um, and that's a much more private experience. So, so there's, there's two issues here is, is you have, um, we need some things at the protocol level, stuff like Schnorr's, uh, you know, SIGACT, uh, you know, like the actual aggregation of the signatures, Taproot, um, you know, improvements to Lightning. But we also need these tools around the whole ecosystem to have more responsible defaults because you can't have, um, like the average user, it's going to always be a sliding scale because you're going to have, you always have this trade-off, like we talked about with Cost earlier, you always have this trade-off between UX and security um, and privacy. Like if, 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 if you want to make it easier to use, it's going to be, I think it's going to be inherently less secure and less private. And you have to try and find this balance and you have to have enough products available, enough tools available that people can choose where on that trade-off they want to be at any given time. Um, and like, like even today, like uh, Green Wallet, I think yesterday announced that they're including Tor mm-hmm. um, in the app. You don't need it as a separate app in both their Android app and the iPhone app. Um, Samurai already had Tor built into their Android app, but Samurai doesn't have an iPhone app. Green Wallet is the best iPhone app available. Um, and now it just has built in Tor support. So if a, if a user uses that, they can just set up the wallet like they normally do. They check off Tor. And for that user, they're not really going out of their way at all, right? So th- that's a nice, just little little privacy improvement. I mean, you're not running it on your own node, but you can also connect to your own node through Tor, if you, especially if you use AB Core. It's really easy. So you can actually have two Android phones, one running the node, and one connecting back to it through Tor. Slowly but surely. Again, it's not perfect right now. And anybody who expects perfection from from bitcoin the system and the ecosystem at this point i would just venture to say hey come on give it some time i mean uh, 11 years in i think we've done a pretty good job of getting the network to this point and as you just described it feels like uh we're hitting a i don't want to say breakaway but we're definitely hitting a a point at which uh the pain points are obvious and people are working on them yeah, and I mean, even on a on a bigger overarching theme, there's this major trade-off here between privacy and transparency, right? Uh, between auditability, being able to actually know the supply of Bitcoin, you know, actually know um, that the system is secure, uh, that the that the hard cap is being held, and if you just talk to a pure privacy person, they will say, you know. Everything should be masked. Encrypt everything. You know, you can't audit the supply. You can't see transaction amounts. You can't. You can't see where you're sending to. Then you're talking to an economics person, and they'll just be like, "It should just be completely open, um, as transparent as possible. Like, fuck private sending." Um, and it really, the balance is somewhere in the middle because at the end of the day, Bitcoin users need to be able to spend it. Otherwise, it's not censorship resistant. But you need to be able to verify it. Otherwise, it'll never have any kind of real value accrual. Right? And if you don't have value, you don't have liquidity, you don't have security, you don't have people paying the miners, and you don't have censorship resistance either. Right? So there's like this, this trade-off scale that we have to run here um, in, this, in this overarching discussion at the same exact time. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, 
is it possible to find a happy medium, do you think? Do you think it's possible to find the, the perfect balance of trade-offs to the point where we can, at some point in the future, say that Bitcoin is successful and uh, a system worth running our monetary system through? Well, I mean, I think perfect is impossible, but I think we can hit good enough. Yeah. There's a lot of things in life, you know? And, like, the fact that we're having these discussions, uh, I think, is a good thing as well. Like, the fact that people are throwing their hands up. Yes, I do think uh, you can't attack people personally and, and, and aggress- or too aggressively sometimes or in certain situations. But I do think that people are hyper-focused uh, and hyper-aware of these pain points and, and trying to get people to work on them is, is, is important. People care. People care. That's what I'm trying to get at here is that it's not... I don't see any complacency out there right now. Yeah, I mean, for a long time, we got stimmied by the whole block size debate and stuff, right? So I feel like the the new focus, there's there's very much a renewed focus on privacy um, in the Bitcoin industry, and I, I fucking love to see it. So yeah, let's yeah. go. And then uh, speaking of let's go, slowly but surely, Satoshi's added to the Oxford Dictionary this week. The uh, sats are officially in the dictionary, freaks. I don't know if it was us. We've made it. Sats got act- added to the Oxford English Dictionary before they got added to Lolly. <laughs> Alex, if you're listening, that was a that was a a subtle burn. You a know? subtle burn. A subtle burn. A subtle nod. Sure, just bring on Sats. You just know? just put an option. You know, just give it an option. Yeah, Cash App, you too. Yeah, Jack. just let's get a toggle. Jack, you're listening. Bull uh, Bitcoin, Bull Bitcoin hasn't added it yet. They said they were going to. Green Wallet added it. Samurai has it. Yeah. Bitter has it. Slowly but surely. And now the Oxford English Dictionary has it. So uh, if you're probably not in any Oxford Dictionary that you have on your table right now, but some in the future will have it on there. And if you go online to the OED.com, I believe it's called. Don't you need a subscription? Maybe. I don't know. I was able to access the page without a subscription. Maybe because it's a new word, you get it for free behind, without the paywall. Better hurry up and go check the definition before they paywall that shit. I... One thing is, like, I prefer Sat or Sats over Satoshi. Yes, I don't want too much, uh, too overt of an homage, right? Yeah, and it's just, like, longer, and it's just, yeah, I don't it's know. It's confusing. I like, think it's got a nice ring to it, just Sats. Sat, you know, let me send you a Sat. Sent, Sat, close yeah. enough. One syllable, yeah, Satoshi. Satoshi, three. So, so wake me up when the Oxford English Dictionary actually puts Sats in. All right, I'm going to come in your room. Matt, Matt, wake up. Maddie, Maddie Bent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, This is some good news as well. LND uh, version 0.8.0 was released. And this actually was a cause of some consternation. Nicholas Doré was about to rage quit LND um, because of something about channel backups, right? I mean, no, it it was like the way they handle the upgrade process. Yes. Is you have to revert back to the previous stable version before you move up. Um, I think it was like a half in jest because like Rockstar responded on it, like also on the BTC pay team. He's like, don't worry, I'll handle L&D mm-hmm. or something. So I think it was like just uh, more of a joke. But they, I think they've made some changes based off of that feedback. Yeah. He said he reverse rage quit. He's not rage yeah. quitting anymore. Um, but so that's kind of cool. Yeah. So this uh, version of L&D again. Version 0.8.0 beta. It's still in beta, freaks. Uh, uses more extensible packet format, improves backup safety, increases watchtower client integration, uh, makes routing more likely to succeed, and includes many other features and bug fixes. On top of that, uh, Eclair 
they have a new uh, version out as well. Upgrade to Eclair 0.3.2. It improves backups, makes syncing gossip data more bandwidth efficient, uh, especially for non-routing nodes, such as nodes on mobile devices. So if you're running a mobile device, you're u- mobile device and you're using Eclair, this upgrade is uh, very good for you. And it includes many other new features and bug fixes. And that description of those upgrades is brought to you by much smarter people than your Uncle Marty here. This is the fr- our friends at Bitcoin Optech. I've heard LND... Uh, 0.8.0 is way more stable, which is dope. Um, and also, Ketomine is such a fucking boss that it's already available on the novel. How's he stay on top of it? How's he stay on top of it? Dude just lives lives this shit. Um, and while we're on Noddle, they're moving everything behind Tor right now as well. Yeah, I, I kind of touched on it earlier, but yeah. you know they already had Tor support for L&D and... Uh, the main parts of Bitcoin D, but there's all these different little aspects that you couldn't access through Tor. So he just manually put it all behind Tor. They all have individual onion addresses, stuff like Electromex and um, BTC Pay is now behind Tor. Um, so he's just trying to just Torify all the things, which is fucking dope. I fucking dig it. Torify all the things. I seen you a meme. I fucking cannot wait. I so like I actually purchased a, a Noddle Dojo. Like that's not a sponsorship or whatever. Like I am fucking super excited for this piece of hardware it's going to be the most like badass pre-built hardware node that's that's existed to this date so i'm very fucking excited for it are you gonna let this one get ganked uh yeah i'm just gonna ship it right off to the thief um we probably should have kept this uh after you freaks get a video yes of, like unboxing setup all that shit nice. and one of the nice things there is once again is like this full stack um it's like right now, like the main issue with Whirlpool is you have to install Dojo and it's like kind of a pain in the ass uh, and that will get simpler. Um, and it is really cool that you can install it separate of an actual hardware no- node, you know, like you can get the whole software stack without actually getting a node. You can just use your own hardware, um, which is in terms of the security usability, it's always, you know, better to Preferred. build it yourself. Um, but that's the hardest part. But with the Noddle Dojo, you have it. Um, it's always running. You're able to pair it with your phone really easily. And then you're just, you can provide liquidity to Whirlpool. And the, the beauty of Whirlpool over something like with Wasabi is Wasabi, you pay a fee every time you mix, right? It's larger rounds, rounds of 100. You pay a fee every time you mix. With Whirlpool, you only pay the fee on the entrance. And then every time you remix after that, the new people coming in are paying your fee for you. So your remixes are free. So, like, if you're a good Bitcoiner, like, you should be putting liquidity into Whirlpool, and you can just leave it there, just remixing. It doesn't cost you any more money, and you're just helping out Bitcoiners who need better privacy, right? But with Wasabi, if you keep it running, you're paying a fee every time. Interesting. That's a very interesting product differentiation there. Um, I really like how Whirlpool chose that path, but it's, it's funny. It's like, you know, everyone on both sides are very vocal against each other but like i wish there was like a com like a so like with wasabi what i like is the way they handle their light client mode um they serve basically neutrino filters even though neutrino isn't uh, merged yet into core they serve their own neutrino filters through tor and then you pull blocks from individual nodes like random nodes and if you hook up your own node you pull a block from your own node uh with samurai when you um, do light mode. You connect through Tor, but it's like you connect through Tor. It's like an Electrum connection. So they just get your public key 
they technically know all of your inputs if they're like logging it. They at least know it's connected to each other, right? They don't know your IP or anything, um, which is why it's really important to use. Uh, if you're going to use Whirlpool, it's important to use it with Dojo and with your own node. And then the other thing I like about Wasabi is like the hardware wallet integration is really fucking slick. Um, so it'd be nice if we could just put all three of those things into one wallet, right? Like the nice, the nice light client mode plus hardware wallet integration plus Whirlpool's actual um, implementation, like the way they set it up. Yeah, and the, uh, the lower denominations would be good too. Yeah, they have three pools, lower denominations. The smallest one is 0.01. So right now that's like 80 bucks. That's a really nice low denomination. They have their post-spend tools. Um, it, it, so, so you can send a coin join on the way out as well. Um, they have, it all runs through the phone app, which is just like such a slick way of handling it, you know? So I, I think if we can combine all these things, it'd be really fucking dope. And we're, we're close, you know, that it'll come in time. Um, like I'm just very, I'm just very optimistic in terms of that, but, but mix, mix your coins. People need liquidity guys. Help with the liquidity. It's, it's important. It's imperative. And I agree. Things are getting better slowly, but surely. No, it is beautiful to see. And, it, and things are getting quiet here. It's like the price. We've been going sideways for, for quite a while now, it seems. Sideways sit down since mid-June, obviously. Um, and I don't know. It feels quiet. It's been harder. I guess, I've said this many times, but it's one of, those, uh, one of those weeks, one of those couple week stretches where it's been a bit harder to write the bent, to think of some content. been writing more about, more about history and stuff like that. Uh, recently and pulling some old blog posts but it feels like things are quiet um at least just from observation maybe i'm just getting too used to this shit I'm just waiting for the next the next drama to drop yeah yeah the drama the next fight it's all shifting towards uh, geopolitics right now i was actually kind of talking to i was talking to joe about this uh at beefsteak joe weisenthal um who is who's at the beefsteak uh, beefsteak was great. That was on Friday. Shout out to beefsteaks yeah. everywhere. Shout, shout out to beefsteak, Josh. Hey, and shout out to you beefcakes out there too. Um, he makes the best steak ever. It's fucking delicious. I went to the one in San Francisco. You went to the one in San Francisco with me. Did you go to the previous one you had in New York? I did not. I did not make that yeah, one. Yeah, I missed that one too. But anyway, we, we went to the beefsteak. It was great. I was talking to Joe and he was like, it just feels like a lot of people have too much time on their hands on Bitcoin Twitter. I was like, well, first of all, just people on Twitter inherently have too much time in their hands. That's why you're on Twitter, right? A lot of the time, it's just like you're procrastinating. And I think the second thing is like, we all came out of the woodwork for the scaling debate. And there was like plenty to argue about all the time. So we argued about that. Then the shitcoin boom happened. So we like all were arguing about the shitcoin boom, right? And now the shitcoins are all down to zero. Bitcoin's trudging along. We're hitting new mining all-time highs, right? There's like very little controversy in the Bitcoin space. So we're all just like, what the fuck now? What do we do? Um, and, and that's why I think like there's a lot of uh, friendly fire and stuff that happens, just like swipes and shit like that. Yeah, everybody's just like easily triggered. Yeah. A lot of friendly fire out and there. And bored. Hey, put down your guns. I'm not saying don't put down your guns. <laughs> don't put down your shoot Marty. Don't shoot me. Don't. <laughs> just be, yeah, just be nice. Hold the door. Just hold the door. Just try to be nicer. Oh, actually, I'm not going to fucking lecture anybody. Do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is something we probably should have uh, mentioned with the L and D and Eclair version uh, upgrades. Electrum came out of the woodwork. This was actually something probably the most newsworthy thing in my mind in the Bitcoin world this week. It's probably going underscored. It's something that I'm actually 
curious to hear more people's thoughts on because I'm not, again, a software engineering expert, but Electrum, the, the company that's been building wallet and server software for Bitcoiners since 2011, um, they definitely had their, their ups and downs and people have their uh, opinions about them, but they announced, uh, they Ninja announced on Monday uh, in my in my comments, actually, that uh, they are, well, they didn't Ninja launched the Lightning implementation and Ninja launched, uh, or Ninja announced that it will be Python. Um, so there will be a Python uh, Bitcoin implementation out, or excuse me, Lightning Network implementation released by Electrum soon. Um, so that's four different languages. So it's four different languages. We have LND, which is GoLang. We have C Lightning, which is C. Um, and or is LND Scala? No, Eclairs. Eclairs Scala. Eclairs Scala. Um, and now uh, Electrum, whatever. I don't, I'm not sure what they're calling their implementation. Then Lightning C is easy to remember. Yeah. C Lightning C is easy to remember. C Lightning is easy to remember. Um, but yeah, so Python. And to me, just as a layman, as somebody who has a cursory knowledge of the software development world and coding languages, uh, a lot of the functionalities on our site are built using Python. And from what I understand, Python is a very big network effect, a very powerful um, uh, programming language, with which is pretty easy to learn as well. So and just uh, hearing that off the top of my head, it makes me assume that this would open up the ability for more people to build on top of Lightning. But there have been people hopping in my mentions saying that uh, if they were to make a Lightning Network implementation, they would not use Python as language. I think mainly because it's not static or, or as well tested as others. I mean, people have very strong opinions about languages. Uh, I think the coolest part about this is that it's the first wallet. First of all, it's the first wallet that predated Lightning that added Lightning support. And they did it like whole hog by like creating their own implementation. They didn't just add someone else's. Right. Um, and then the second thing is it's the first wallet that supports hardware wallets for opening and closing channels. So you can plug in your treasure, your cold card. Uh, you can open a channel with it. And then when you close the channel, it'll close back to your hardware wallet. That's pretty badass. Um, I haven't tested it out for myself yet, but that's what people were saying. And that's really, that's really dope, right? Because it's like, we're, that's what we were talking, you know, like, just like we were talking about it earlier. Like, if, the more funds we can have on hardware wallets um, instead of on hot devices would be the ideal, obviously. Yeah. Did, did they say when they're going to launch us? I don't know. Honestly, I was ready to be done with Electrum, so. Right. So that's um, the other thing. So Electrum, I probably am done with them to begin with. Um, and that's something like. No hard feelings. They've been a very important tool that I've used throughout the years, but. Well, that's There's one thing too. Tools. Like I, I, that's like electric, like I'm very, once I find a solution and it, it works for me, like I'm usually like ride or die with that. And Electrum was one of those until recently when they were getting, when their servers were getting DDoS, like I was telling people to like, if they didn't want to like buy a hardware wallet and just, I don't know, like, and they wanted to move some Bitcoin to a personal wallet, like use Electrum, like test out Electrum and. I had a couple of people like text me like, yo, I can't move my shit out of Electrum when they're getting DDoS. And well, I mean, the DDoS was the best thing that could have happened because it showed how many people were using it insecurely. Because if you don't run it with your own personal server, regardless of the DDoS, you're just broadcasting all of your addresses to everybody. And the only people, there's no financial incentive to run an Electrum server. So most of the Electrum servers are probably being run by chain analysis companies. So it's almost... It might, I think it's probably even worse to run an, an Electrum without your own full node than to use like Trezor's web wallet. Cause like 
Slush probably isn't recording. Like, he could, and that fucking sucks. But, like, if you use Tor and you use a VPN, like, he probably isn't. And if he is, then he doesn't have your IP at least. Um, with Electrum, it's like, I, they, that was just a, it's a really poor security model for the default. And I still don't like that when you install it, that's the default. And then the second thing is Electrum Personal Server is an absolute bitch to install. Like, Electrum X is a little bit easier. Um, I've heard good things about Electris. Uh, but, like, it's, that's just a cumbersome process. Like, I I think people will install Core. Um, they'll install Junction or Spectre or something like that or Wasabi. And they'll plug in their hardware wallet. And that's that. They don't need to run a separate server and yada, yada, yada. It's just... And the interface is, like... It's it's performant. There's a lot of options that you can choose yeah. from, but it's not user friendly at all. No, um, yeah. But be aware. So be aware. They are li- <laughs> launching a Lightning Network implementation. This is still good news. I'm I'm excited about the implementation and and that they're that they're still shipping stuff. So who works? Is Electrum completely anon team? I have no idea. I don't either. Um, I mean, it's fully open source. They don't have a business model or anything. No, I don't think so. Yeah. It's interesting interesting maybe yeah. well do you remember when so like the two big wallets in the earlier days when or like i guess we well we thought we were late at the time but like in 2013 2014 was armory and electrum mm-hmm. um and the armory team was in the similar situation as electrum and they tried to monetize by putting in a fee like they would get a cut of the transaction fee every time you set a transaction and i just remember like people just flip shits so like no one was gonna fucking pay that fee um, so it's like a really hard balance to make. It's yeah, well, I do like this idea of it seems like the three most performant business models right now for these wallets is is the uh, like creating well hardware yeah but creating a fiat on ramp which is like what Jack is doing right with with Zap that's how he's going to try and monetize Zap and then you have. Um, the the coin join right where which is samurai and wasabi are doing where they take a they take a fee for the coin join transactions and samurai takes another step further right because samurai has the ricochet transactions um where they bounce it on addresses in a row um and they take a cut for that they charge for that and they also have another one that's coming out where you just do a two of two coin join with samurai that you pay for where like Samurai still knows what's going on there, but anyone looking at the chain besides Samurai sees a two of two coin join. Um, so they're gonna like take a little fee there. So that's interesting. And then the last one is, oh, and I guess like for a while there was like shitcoin trading that they added in to a lot of these yes, wallets, yes. which was another business model. And I think then, Bread Wallet did that. Jack's wallet yeah. might have done that as well. Yeah, and like Coinomi had it where you can just like swap with Shapeshift in between all the different shitcoins. Um, and then the last one is like something like Green Wallet with Blockstream, where they basically fund that wallet to support Liquid. It's like the main it's the main wallet that you could use with Liquid on mobile. Um, it's like a pretty useful Liquid wallet, uh, which is their side chain. So then they're making fees from the side chain. Um, yeah. So it's just interesting to explore these different business models for these open source projects. Right. Well, wallet software in particular wallets, yeah. has been notoriously hard to monetize throughout Bitcoin's history. Uh, a lot of hard work can go into it. And like you said, Armory tried to instill fees on their wallets. Like, what the fuck? Like, no. And, um, yeah, and the issue is, like, no one's going to use a wallet that's not open source. Like, if, yeah. you don't, um, if you don't have an open source wallet, 
then people are going to freak out because they can't verify the code. Um, you might just be stealing their coins from them or doing stuff you know that you say you're not doing. And then if you do open source it and you try and add a monetization element, they could just fork it out. Um, so you have to embrace that and expect that and work that into the model somehow. Yeah. So there are uh, different models that wallets are pursuing. It will be interesting to see what uh, what is the most dominant. I like CoinJoin as a as a front runner here, and then hardware too. Hardware, it's not uh, it's not the most profitable thing, but it makes uh, the wallets a little bit more profitable. No, especially if, software. especially if you're like Rodolfo and you're fucking shipping improvements left and right. It's a good segue into the next topic. Damn right, I know I know it is. Um, and you're, you're shipping new hardware left and right, and people want to buy new hardware because they want the, the latest features. They want the best security possible. Um, so like they started shipping their newest cold card, the MK3, um, today. So they're going out in batches. They are a tiny-ass company. So do not flood him with DMs asking, when, why hasn't Euro shipped yet? It will ship shortly. Yeah, instead, uh, DM him asking when he's going to come on TFTC next. There you go. Yeah, bother him with that. Um Rep Warren Davidson was unnoted. How badass was that? Did you listen? Uh, listen to most of it. Um, I still have to finish it. Justin, Dude, it I was fucking unreal. I can't believe that fucking happened. You fucking sitting U.S. congressman from Ohio. If, if you had unnoted a, podcast. If you had to use, uh, if you had to use a, a certain type of ammunition for for currency, what would it be? Oh yeah, they had Hilarious that conversation. Question. It was great. Uh, um, this this guy's famously the guy who during the Libra hearing said, "There's Bitcoin and then there's shitcoin." Um, yes. So uh, go listen to that episode. It's one of the best episodes of the year. Just in, uh, that's going to go down in Bitcoin history. It's good uh, to see woke, epic podcast. woke fifth column. Fifth column's right. I've been corrected many times. Yeah. W- woke fifth column actors within the U.S. government. He's a uh, representative. He's not from North Carolina. Is he's from Ohio. 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 Uh, Patrick McHenry's from North Carolina. He's also a Bitcoiner, it seems. Um, last topic protests all around the world hong kong still going on uh we had a crazy week here in the u.s uh, in particular with the nba in china uh nba gm came out and had some strong words or not even strong words just showed support for hong kong and lebron was weak as fuck lebron was very weak lebron bent the knee uh pretty aggressively bent both knees got on both knees and uh it was even worse than that because he, he said- tried to he tried to like Apparently, like behind the scenes, he was like trying to get the dude fired. He said, he said that we should have sympathy for him and the other NBA players because they've had a difficult week. Yeah. Like, how out of touch do you have? Oh my god, the fifteen percent hit to the salary cap that's been growing nonstop. Uh, At least hire a good PR person. Like, how did you think that comment was gonna fly? Yeah, he fucked up there. Barstool's got some interesting shirts. As, oh, the shirts are great. As uh, LeBron is uh, as Chairman Mal. Um, if you want to go check those out. And then they Sports have a separate com. one with his activist, like LeBron the activist and LeBron the to t- totalitarian. Yeah, it's like the hypocrisy is fucking ridiculous. Um, then Barcelona had protests. Bar- uh, Catalina, yeah. So Catalina, yeah. the um, I guess they're trying to have a referendum, referendum to break away from... Uh, Spanish state and they want to be uh, autonomous and uh, people are hitting the streets in Catalan I must admit I am not uh, completely downloaded on the situation I just know that there are people uh, that would not like to be part of the Spanish government yeah, I mean, part of the country they tried to separate for a while I think yeah um, and and some politicians just got like heavy-handed sentences too in the opposition side like 10-year sentences uh, like in jail 
So, yeah, I'm also not very downloaded on that. But but it seems like these protests are bigger than usual. Um, and then there's the one with the farmers. Where is that? Is that in Norway or something? No, that was in France. Is, the far- is that northern oh, wait, France? Oh, no. You're thinking of, so in the Netherlands, there was the farmers. Yes, the Netherlands. It was like yesterday. They were just like filled up the highways. I know. I thought, I know they did it a couple of weeks ago. I didn't know yesterday. I think they're still doing it, I'm basically. More, uh, I'm thinking of the firefighters in France joining the Yellow Vest and the firefighters and the Macron thugs got into it uh, this week as well. So, yeah, there's a... Uh, I mean, are we are we just highlighting shit that happens all the time? Uh, I don't know. Venezuela you... got added to the Human Rights Foundation today or something. The UN Human Rights Council. Really? Not the Human Rights Foundation. Sorry, guys. Um, How ridiculous is it? I think, like, that's the one that's all corrupted. It's got, I mean, the UN's corrupt in general, but it's got, like, Syria on it and other shit. Yeah, they're all fucked. Screw the... What the fuck do those things... What does the UN do? Imagine having a Human Rights Council and fucking putting Venezuela in it and, and like going to work every day and actually thinking your organization was useful. Saudi Arabia and Qatar on it and like it doesn't mean shit. Fuck shake, it. Shake my head. We shake don't need head. we don't need these uh non-elected officials or are they elected officials? The UN's like nobody elects anybody to the UN directly from states. Like, no, they get nominated, right? Yeah, the yeah. UN ambassador gets chosen by the executive. Fuck the UN. I'm not a big fan. What has it done for me lately? I don't. Does the Bitcoin fix this? The only thing the UN does is fucking create insane traffic in the city for like two <laughs> weeks of a year. It's fucking annoying. Well, I feel that as a New Yorker, <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> what are we riffing? Is, are we just riffing on New York traffic? You um, brought up the medallions last week, didn't you? Yeah, I did bring up the medallions and and declining New York City real estate demand. Yeah. Um, Weather changed drastically. It's fucking windy and cold out now. Getting into the thick of fall here. The thick of fall. Um, I'm trying to think of it. There's anything in particular I wanted to talk about. You got you got pretty vocal on Twitter this week about microtransactions and paywalls. You know what? I just felt the need. I saw somebody going. Uh, I saw a tweet about it was some VC shit coiner from Silicon Valley on a podcast. It was, I didn't listen to the podcast. Somebody like quote, quoted the podcast in a tweet. And he's like, Bitcoin has settled on the digital gold store value use case. They, they're not going after real money at all. And there will never, it'll never be a transactional currency. And it's just false. It's just false freaks. It's false. I'm watching people use it as a transactional currency every day on the dime bag. I'm seeing it on my fucking zap app. You can't lie. You can't tell me people aren't using this shit for transactions. I can see it. You so, tell them, Marty. So I felt compelled to get out there. And honestly, like I'm, I will die on this hill. I think the microtransaction paywall use case uh, could be like it's not going to get massive adoption for a lot of these publishers, but it is like a way to get excess uh, revenue. And actually, if something we didn't mention, but probably should have, shout out Bitcoin Optech again. If Rusty Russell gets his way and we get a uh, fee minimums on the Lightning Network upped a little bit it could become a bit profitable you know well i mean that's just the default fee numbers you can anyone can change their one of the interesting dynamics about the lightning network is that you can change all of your channel's fees at will so it's not like they're locked in or anything with so so just because so the whole routing dynamic can change pretty quickly um i mean ideally it'll hit like some kind of market equilibrium but it should be interesting to watch play out. Like our fees, like our fees on the on the Noddle node are not on default. 
um, the, there's two fees for Lightning. There's a variable fee and a base fee. With Bitcoin, an on-chain transaction, when you send, it's based on the size of the transaction. So it's how many UTXOs, how many transactions are included on the input side is how big your transaction is and how much the fees will pay. So, so like a transaction that's $20 could cost the same as a transaction that's $2 million. But on Lightning, it scales based on value. And you have this base fee, which is just like no matter how much you send, you get charged just this first fee. Uh, and then the second fee is based on the amount of the transaction, kind of like how most payment processors work. Um, and you can change those fees. So with with our Noddle node, um, it's the, the base fee is reduced and the variable fee is increased. So it makes microtransactions uh, way more feasible. But as, as the amount goes up, you get charged a greater amount. Yeah, no, that's... Uh just observationally again like t- saying p- people are using lightning for microtransactions like again our website's proving it i, I tweeted this out too uh, lightning network transactions as a percentage of the total amount of transactions we've received through our node via btc pay server account lightning transactions count for 87 percent on chain for 13 percent of the total value we've raised via the website via our btc pay server uh the value is only nine percent, so it's nine like thirteen percent of the total transactions make up ninety one percent of the value. But people are using it for microtransactions. It's a dime bag. It's obviously a dime bag, but and uh, we actually get like a lot of one off one dollar and five dollar donations too. I think. I, I think that TFTC, we're we're uniquely situated to champion this type of thing and to play with it and to like learn about it and just get used to it. Um, so I'm excited to like lead the way here. I think I think it's like every Bitcoin focused media organization should basically. And I mean, I'm not trying to call us. I don't know if we want to be a media organization, but any kind of that, any kind of Bitcoin focused commerce or whatever should be experimenting with this shit and should be pushing the limit and playing with it because that's what Bitcoiners do. We've our stuff's open source. You, you actually don't even need to go to GitHub. You can go straight to in, inspect Element, I believe, for the way our invoices are uh, triggered. And then that's just uh, our dev would like to do that on the server side, but the way our CMS is set up, we have to do that on the client side. Um, but it, yeah, if you want to check it out and put it on your site, you can. Like it's there. It's open source. Somebody reached out to me in my DM today. I was like, "Yo, I, I'll fund this for you." I was like, "Dude, here's the code. You can like throw it on your site right now. Like, you, there's no funding needed. Like it's." It's an if-and function. If somebody clicks this button and they pay the invoice that's presented to them, give them the fucking content. It's pretty easy. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I've, I've, I've read your final thoughts again on the dime bag. It's a, it's a good way to test, like for the videos on our YouTube channel at tftc.tv, um, I always use it as my, like if I need to sh- showcase sending a transaction, I always use it. Thank you. It's a, it's a great way to test. It's a good little tool. It's a fun tool. It's a fun like way. Test Jewel, test all these different things. Yeah, it's a little vending machine. It gives you a little thought. It gives you a little thought. My, my crazy thoughts. Um, I have a lot of crazy thoughts. You can find them at tftc.io slash dime dash bag. Matt's pointing at me. Uh, there, there's two other things. Um, well, so Lightning Conference uh, Berlin is going on right now. The first ever Lightning Conference. Super bummed uh, that neither of us are there right now. I'm just going over this weekend. It's like the it's just an insane lineup of people the live stream is going to be online do we know the website i don't know the website I don't you know can enough. google it maybe we'll put it in the show notes um 
announcements are going to start coming out. There's like all these teams that have just been staggering their net, waiting to announce at the conference. Um, so I think it should be like a pretty exciting next couple of days. We're already seeing some people pre-announce. Um, two of the things that I think are pretty exciting uh, are game related. There's two Satoshi's.games. Satoshi.games. Um, they have a new game coming out. Um, and the guys between Koala, behind Koala Studio have a new new studio. Uh, yeah, so Lightning right? Koala works for Alto Financial now. Um, oh, okay. So they split up, and then Andres. Andres has a new... Yeah, it's uh, Z, ZBD. ZBD. ZBD? ZBD. ZBD. Z-E-B-E-D-E-E, I think. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I just thought of it. Yeah. Uh, but that looked pretty cool. I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, it, it does look They seem really like cool. they have some pretty intense... Uh, uh, inspirations. So I'm inspirations, aspirations. I'm aspirations. pretty, I'm pretty excited. They were definitely inspired to strive um, for these aspirations. Yeah. They like posted some tease screenshot and like, it looked pretty, pretty cool. So I'm excited. Yeah. And their, their post was really dope. So we'll try to find that link. Um, if we don't find it by the time I post this, cause I gotta, re- we gotta record soon right after this. Um, I will put it on the dig channel. Check out the dig channel. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform and they have a subscribe button, Smash that, please. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. Uh, the thumbs up button on YouTube's huge too. Do that. Yeah, thumbs up us. If you feel so compelled to write, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me. If you feel feel so compelled to write a review uh, on iTunes in particular, please do so. They help. Okay, I have I have the the actual uh, the actual spelling. It's ZBD, right? It's Z E B E D E E. That's what I said. That's what I said. That's what I said. Okay. Okay. Well, now it's confirmed. Now it's confirmed. That IO. ZBD. Shout out to Andres. He's, um, Andre. He's, uh, fucking crushing it. It's Christian Moss, Andre. Yeah, it's Mandelduck, right? Yeah, Mandelduck is Christian Moss. Yeah. Um, so he was the one who was doing, uh, I think he was fucking around with like like the RPGs, right? Yeah. Because it's crazy. Like, lightning with, actual like with gaming i think could be like that Maybe. esports is already fucking huge i already spent like i waste so much time playing video games i you know spend the rest of my time on bitcoin like it'd be nice if i could just merge the two worlds like at least for like forget about total total addressable market like it would just be fucking dope for me and then simon cowell this is the third guy the dude from uh, american idol no, different guy. Looks like he's from Bitstamp. Uh, I thought he was going to make he, a huge... Or he used to work at Bitstamp. He has Bitstamp in his bio. I thought we had our boy from uh, American Idol making a huge mid-career pivot there. Would have been nice to see. He was actually... He was speaking at some Bitcoin conference. No. I think BTC Magazine. Um, Simon... These... Like the American Idol guy? No, no, no. Okay. This, this Simon Cowell. Okay, the real Simon Cowell. Right? Because he was speaking and we both moderated panels at the last Bitcoin Magazine conference. So, like, I sent my dad the like the picture of the like the poster that listed all the speakers or whatever um and i thought because he's like he's obsessed with tim draper and tim draper was the like the headliner so like i figured he was gonna like go crazy when he saw that tim draper was a keynote and like i was on the same poster and he responded back he's like simon cowell speaking and i was like no there's no way that can't be the person I, I wonder if uh, Bitcoin Simon Cow has uh, an office space moment every once in a while where he's like, fuck that American Idol motherfucker. It's like our boy Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. Or is it Sync? What is it? Backstreet Boys, Backstreet Boys. Nick Carter was Backstreet Boys, I believe. Yeah. You freaks know that fun fact. And then he launched Coin Metrics. It's such a weird pivot. 
Yeah, yeah. From boy band to uh, running full nodes to get blockchain data to people in need. Big pivots in the world right now. Bitcoin, Bitcoin's black hole gravitational pull is pulling everybody in from the, the music industry. And uh, who was the last person you just mentioned? And Nick Carter? Oh, yeah, Nick Carter. And the, they're both, the they're music both in the music industry. Yeah. That's why I got confused. That's like, why I got confused. the other industry. Um, that's what we got this week, freaks. It's been a fun one. We just ripped like an hour and 15 there. Fuck yes. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love.